Do we not do an intro or anything? So Josh, you, you said you, you got back into Pokemon Go? Yeah, I uh, started listening to a bunch of APN podcasts. You guys would talk about it at the end of every podcast. <laughs> and then uh, the quests is like the uh, the field research is what's really gotten me back in. I've I've heard that a lot from from people on like I'm on the Silk Road subreddit and oh, wow. uh, and that, that that's what people seem to be saying is that they kind of went away after kind of the main you know first three or six legendaries came out and then kind of stopped playing for a bit and since the quest came back they've they've really gotten back into it and I've I've definitely found a lot of value in the quests as well. I think I quit the first winter, <laughs> <laughs> so you only lasted like six months. Yeah. <laughs> probably right there too here <laughs> okay what level did you guys get up to i just hit 25 okay <laughs> I, I think i had lagged out around like 15 ish oh okay so you didn't last very long at all then no no <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the the way they give out xp now you can level up pretty quickly yeah it's um, not too bad yeah no it's, it's pretty good but yeah yeah no i i found that like i have the go plus like the little device that you can click and it will catch Fancy. for you. So I found that if it wasn't an event, I just wasn't motivated or I didn't find a reason to actually catch anything by hand just because I was too lazy and didn't want to catch like the billionth Pidgey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but now with the quest where it's like, you know, catch this many flying type, you know, do this many great throws, whatever. Then you actually have a reason to catch things by hand, regardless of what kind of Pokemon they are. You're just trying to fulfill those quests. So I've I've found that it's it's added a bit of depth to the game or at least mm. other other aspects to the the playing goals definitely cool so do you guys play any other mobile games uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, i mean J josh picks up whatever freemium game is is popular at the moment yeah. and um does that i don't think i do a lot of mobile gaming mainly i like read manga and stuff on my phone and twitter okay. um reddit <laughs> i've got uh burrito bison that's a good one. um a dark room and uh, I just started looking at Paladin Strike, which is like a weird third-person shooter MOBA thing oh. on mobile. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of neat. Have you guys looked into Fortnite at all? I've been hearing a lot about that game. I don't know. I think yeah, I think it's that's pretty fun. Mobile as well too, right? Like it's platform and mobile. Yeah, okay. yeah. I got it on Xbox right now. Okay, cool. So I mean, it's free to play, so no reason not to check it out. Can you play on? one platform with people on the other platform like is it i guess cross-platform on the online aspect <laughs> so th this is an interesting one you can play with anyone from anything except you cannot play with xbox people on ps4 or vice versa everything else is cross-platform hmm. so xbox can play with everyone else but not ps4 ps4 can play with everyone yep. else but not xbox yeah it's yes it's pretty much just sony yeah, Sony just does not want to cross the uh, the console streams. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's very very interesting. I'm not sure. Like I I don't have a lot of context for the platform wars at this point. Back back when I was involved in platforms always Nintendo. I guess well Sony and Microsoft since the Xbox came up but prior, prior to that it was uh Nintendo and Sony, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was kind of yeah Nintendo, Sega, then Nintendo, Sony, and then it's really Microsoft, Sony, because Nintendo's just kind of doing their own thing, which is <laughs> clearly working. It's like, you guys keep making racing games and shooters, we'll keep making Mario games. Yeah, <laughs> and and cardboard toys that are just yeah. like flying off the shelves. And Smash Bros. <laughs> sometime this year. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for Pokemon to come out for the Switch. That's it, supposed to be their They said release. they're done on handheld consoles, so there's a chance. Yeah, yeah. Well, they said the last the last Pokemon game they made for the 3DS was would be the last 3DS one for Pokemon. So for the main titles. Yeah, and they've they've already I don't know if it's leaked or rumored or whatever. The next Pokemon game will be released, so presumably that would be on the Switch. Because if the last one is the last for the 3DS, and the next one is coming out, then it has to be for something. Yeah, so it makes sense for it to be on the Switch. True. So, do you guys have a Switch or? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Do do you, are I, you are you the kind of people that have like every console so that you have access to all the different games? I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I this generation I just didn't get a PS4. 
Oh, why is that because the PS3 still is able to play most of the games being released? No, nah, I just, I realized the Sony console is uh, the one I would play the least, so I thought I'd save that money. Because of the type of games, or just overlap between it and the Xbox? Well, that, and I have a crippling addiction to buying Amiibo. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think we mathed it out. In, in exchange for all of the Amiibo Josh has bought, he could have bought, like, a PS4 Pro, PSVR. <laughs> <laughs> With import costs, yes. <laughs> yeah. Is is the whole point of the Amiibo just to change the avatar? Or are there, like, benefits different to things. having different Amiibo different. depending on the game? Yeah. Like, Breath of the Wild, uh, you can get outfits. You can even get uh, Epona and uh, weapons. But they don't count towards the collection stuff, so it's all bonus. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, Mario Kart, it gives you outfits. Smash Bros, it saves AI data. They all have something else. But I mean, like, game experience or performance, it doesn't really have an effect. It's all entirely aesthetic. Uh, the new Metroid game, it actually unlocks the hard mode. So a lot of people were upset with that. Hmm. Yeah, or in, um, I can't remember which Zelda game it was, but it unlocked, like, a Cave of Trials or something. Breath of the Wild, so, yeah. No, it was Twilight Princess. That, yeah, Twilight Princess HD. Yeah. That's... Yeah, I picked up Breath of the Wild in played through a little bit of it and I've, I've really enjoyed it i did ocarina of time way back in the day and when uh my wife she bought me the switch for my birthday this past year awesome she uh got me like the pokin tournament the fighting okay uh, pokemon mm-hmm. type tekken game and mario kart and then i went and bought the odyssey is it yeah oh yeah and then Worth breath it. of the wild of well as well so breath of the wild has been really good but it's I kind of pick it up and put it down depending on how I'm feeling about Pokemon Go. If <laughs> if it's a little bit slow, then I'll I'll start playing Breath of the Wild. But I only really have time to play it like in the evenings, and that's when I'm usually pretty tired. Whereas Pokemon, I'm playing on my lunch hours or or whatever. So it's a bit oh, easier yeah. to find time and just feel like you want to play it versus when you're in the evening and you know you want to spend time with your kid or you know just rest and not have to worry about how to beat whatever. Uh, it's a shrine, yeah, the yeah. shrines that they have there. But no, I've, I've really enjoyed playing through that. But I've put quite a few hours into it, and I don't feel like I've gotten very far. Um, it's it's not one linear. of those ones where you'll kind of like, you'll get to an area, because with the little paraglider, you can kind of glide to different areas. So mm-hmm. I like landed in this one, and there's like these giant monsters that one hit KO'd me. And I was like, yep. oh, yeah, I don't want to go back here. <laughs> yeah, <a little> early. <laughs> teleport out of here. But uh, no, it, it looks like there's a lot of, a lot of content and a lot of stuff to kind of play through even if it's not part of the main quest there's a lot of different things you can kind of kind of play oh yeah through. have you guys played through breath of the wild at all yeah i uh i beat it and my wife is is on her way to like 100 percenting it oh wow <laughs> so beat beating the main quest as well as all the side stuff yeah exactly oh that's crazy i'm working on dlc but i haven't collected all the collectibles yet so is that just extra game content or does yeah. it help you along with the main stuff? Uh, they, Both. They add like a, the trials of the Master Sword. So the Master Sword actually gets more powerful. Hmm. But uh, it's not necessary to beat the game at all. Okay. And you can get a motorbike after some oh, wow. DLC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that why, or I guess like in Mario Kart, I've used Link with the motorbike is that is it, is it no. a Mario Kart motorbike he gets no it looks there's this new aesthetic with these uh guardian enemies and it looks like it's styled after those yeah like the the ancient technology hmm. that's pretty cool I I don't like how with the weapons you use in Breath of the Wild like they just break yeah like I I much prefer just getting a weapon be like oh this is a sweet sword and then just being able to keep using it and it's like, I don't want to use my good stuff because then it will break. I've got to find a new one. <laughs> well, later you'll find them with bonus abilities and extra durability is one of them. Mm-hmm. But they'll still break eventually. Yeah. 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 Which I, I guess adds a new aspect. I don't know if it's the first Zelda game to be doing that, but I remember before, like once you got a weapon, like you could just keep using it. Yeah. You didn't have to worry about it running out. Yeah, it's it's a pretty big departure for the series, but it's it's been kind of interesting because it, it kind of forces you to adapt around what weapons they're giving you, what what enemies you're fighting, that kind of thing. Yeah. Is there a way to like increase your inventory space for swords and shields? Yep. Yep. Just keep playing. <laughs> Main quest. 
Because I always have to, like, I want to keep, I don't know, say, like, a pickaxe, right? To be able to mine the ore and be able to mm-hmm. sell it. But it's like, but I need swords. And I don't want to yeah. use my pickaxe to hit people because then it breaks. And then you need a leaf in case you get on a boat. Yeah, and you need a exactly. Torch. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll, it'll, you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true gamer, not, not willing to spoil the game for me. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's a fun surprise. Artificial intelligence is something we're hearing more about every day and is constantly, whether we realize it or not, changing how we interact with machines to make ourselves more productive and tackle challenges in every industry, both in Alberta and across the world. Now, this AI isn't the type that will revolt against us like you might see in the latest Hollywood blockbuster, thankfully, but nonetheless, we must be diligent in establishing values and ethics that guide the application of this technology. This is why ATB is doubling down on its investment in AI and being active in designing the future that they, and ultimately their customers, want to live in. ATB's approach is a three-pillared strategy. The UAlberta Partnership, the Research and Affiliate Network, and AI, People and Ethics. ATB is committed to supporting the critical mass required to keep ideas and talent within the province of Alberta and to attract great minds from around the world for the benefit of all Albertans. Advancing Alberta's position on the national and global stage of AI technology is a top priority. You can learn more about ATB's AI strategy on atbalphabeta.com. Thanks to ATB for supporting our show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I wanted to get into a bit here on kind of like how we got into gaming. Because I think a lot of people, especially, you know, having been a spokes pokemon go and and people hearing that i play pokemon and they're like i think their first reaction is like that's for children yeah and it's like it's 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 not like children can play it (laughs) and i I encourage children to play it but it's for everyone everyone who likes pokemon can play it um so like i i presume you guys have been in gaming for a while or at least put enough hours into it to be at the point where we are now where where did that start for for you guys and what purpose did it serve like what did you get out of gaming when you first started and and kind of where has it taken you today uh it definitely started with uh my cousins got a nes and started showing it off and then when they all went to play outside like the fools they were i got my chance (laughs) (laughs) so like was that sorry that was nes or super nes uh nes okay Particularly uh, Sesame Street uh, Park. It was really bad. <laughs> but then Mario. But better, better than outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah for, for me, it's actually a, a pretty similar story. Um, my uncle had a, had an NES hooked up to one of those like gigantic cabinet projection screen TVs oh. for some reason. And so me and my sister would play Spy vs. Spy, but we had no idea what the game was or what we were doing. So we we're just like, I have the briefcase now. Oh, I, I set a trap. What button did you press? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so just Spy vs. Spy against my sister. And then we eventually got a Super Nintendo for home and, and the rest is history. It's kind of funny how it, it usually starts out, or at least in our cases, it started out with someone else having the console. Like mm-hmm. for me, it was actually my cousin Rob, who's normally <laughs> here, uh, who had a Super NES at home. And he had Donkey Kong Country and um, Super Ghosts and Ghouls, is it? Oh, Ghosts and yeah. Goblins. Yeah. Ghouls, is it Ghouls? Yeah. Which is actually a pretty hard game. Especially oh, yeah. when you're a punishing twelve year old child, um, and so we we'd play that when we would go over and like my brother and I would fight over who gets to play first because there was only two controllers, obviously, and uh, so yeah, we we started out playing that, and then kind of similar, we we got our own NES and got the usual you know Super Mario and that kind of stuff, and yeah, I think just from that point on, whenever we go, went to like a garage sale, it have like a secondhand N sixty four and pick that up, and you know secondhand PlayStation, whatever, and. Uh, so so yeah that that's basically how I got into it was was playing with you know my friend and also my cousin at their house and then kind of getting it for ourselves and and going from there and I just I found it as a fun challenge like go, going through all the different levels and that kind of stuff like I think the first game that I played that was like a challenge or had like quest type stuff was like Banjo Tooie mm. oh yeah so I played through that and it was pretty fun 
and then went over to uh to ocarina of time after that and you know played through that and got my friend to beat the water level because i kept dying <laughs> and then he beat like the next level after that and when he gave it back i'm like did you beat that yet? he's like oh yeah i beat the next one too i'm like i didn't want you to <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just it's one of those things where like you don't really get that same experience otherwise like in in life i don't think like i think video games offer a very unique uh ability or exposure to like developing certain skills i think mm-hmm. that yeah I, I i honestly don't know how you'd get that otherwise unless you played video games yeah a lot, a lot of a lot of troubleshooting problem solving and for me um a, a lot of bonding actually over video games because like when I, when I got my super nintendo like uh link to the past um kirby superstar i i played those games a ton with my dad and even even the single player games, like we'd be kind of sitting there, like helping each other out and 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 talking about what's going on, and it was like important formative stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that that's the other part too. Like in in junior high, like all my friends had you know Super Nintendo or uh, N sixty fours, and so like the original first person shooters, like Perfect Dark or Golden Eye or any of those, like like. I those are some of my best memories like those weekends where we'd all be over and like 12 of us just taking turns you know doing four player uh perfect dark or golden nine you know doing the odd job hack of he was so <laughs> short because you couldn't hit him yeah <laughs> so it was like and then it's like same as super smash brothers like we we got that and then I just decided that I wanted to play Pikachu. Yeah. So I'd like, I got so good at Pikachu. And whenever we played all together, like Pikachu, why would you use him? And like, I just own everyone. And then eventually they say <laughs> like, I couldn't use Pikachu anymore. And I'm like, that's not fair. Yeah. When you're young, you have the patience to play with 99 stock. And it's like oh, a three yeah. hour game. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think the bonding aspect is, is one of those other, those other kind of key things. And again, like, I guess outside of like sports, which, you know, if we're talking about outside not being appealing all the time and I'm, I'm exactly the same way. Like I, I need to be in the mood to want to do it, but it's like, you can pick up a video game wherever you want. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a fun thing, especially when the game, it doesn't require a ton of prior exposure to actually at least having fun with it. Even if you're not good at it, at least if you can have fun, like Halo, I've been horrible at Halo my entire life. Like I'm still really bad at it, but I always had fun playing because you're, you're with your, your buddies and you're just, Mm-hmm. running around and throwing plasma grenades and all that kind of stuff and it's, yeah. it's it's just like a lot of fun yeah absolutely yeah and like in high school there was an internet cafe here called switchbox i don't know if they ever had anything similar but it was basically like well i'm sure they have internet cafes yeah in Edmonton yeah too. Uh, blue shift gaming is the one that i'm aware of but in west edmonton mall i don't think it's around anymore though they turned to a uh, web design and uh, phone repair store <laughs> mm-hmm. bit of a pivot tangentially yeah. related at least <laughs> yeah. um so like this internet cafe was like right next to my high school so on my spare periods i'd go over there and play counter-strike and spend way too much money there but i wasn't allo- <laughs> i wasn't allowed to have counter-strike at home so i just went okay. there and played there and and again this is one of those things i actually joined i didn't join a clan but i played on their server so it was like mostly them and then okay. I play with them, and they're a really good group of people, and it was it was a lot of fun. I usually like playing gun game on Counter Strike. I don't know how much you guys have played no Counter Strike before, but nothing. Yeah, it's it's basically kind of like a a modded version of the game. Like it's not mission based, but you just all go in, and you all start at like level one with a Glock or whatever. And then once you get a kill with a Glock, you get to level two. And Isn't that like how CS:GO is made? Is that like a CS:GO thing? That was one point six. Okay, or Source um it sounds I've, like a really I've cool i've seen game some time. live streams of it yeah okay they they probably still have that mod on it i didn't i've never played go before but uh but yeah you're, you're basically just working your way up the levels of the guns until you get to like yeah the the last level which is knife and you have to get a knife kill and then once you get the knife kill then you win yeah and and it's like cool. unlimited lives like you just keep going until someone gets to the last level it was a lot of fun I, I really like that and it was like everyone's just doing it for fun no one like takes gun game seriously because you're not you're not it's not mission based so you're just there to to kind of screw around and, mm-hmm. and just like in the original maps. halo because the warthog was indestructible you would drive at <laughs> each other and they'd fly in the air and someone would shoot it with a rocket launcher or you or you put a pile of grenades underneath and see how far it would fly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hours of that yeah i think i know like team fortress has had a lot of like 
there's almost a whole community around like the different like crazy things you can do in that game like similar kind of stuff or like there's this thing called like griefing have you ever mm-hmm. heard of that before I, yeah. I think there's more of like a negative thing yeah, yeah. Like you're supposed to be griefing but <laughs> i was i learned that term in uh when minecraft became like an online game they would grief another player and just destroy their oh, house yeah. or dump lava on things yeah and oh, just okay. not a good time no that's just more vandalism but oh yeah <laughs> um yeah it's it's just just a lot of fun and I, and I think the online aspect is definitely something that's changed over the years um like i guess more when the xbox came out i think xbox live was probably one of the first mainstream online yep. gaming platforms wasn't it yeah well one of the big matchmaking ones like matchmaking was a huge deal because before it would be like you have a, a maybe like a ps2 connected to the internet but that's for like a couple mmos but Xbox Live was the big platform that you could just like pop onto a game and it would just find you opponents and you would just shoot them. Halo 2 blew everyone's mind. And I think uh, Rogue Skies, was it? There's that cool like steampunky air pirate game. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. And this was around the same time as Halo 2? Yeah, yeah, Halo 2 era. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I think PC gaming... The the only real online gaming that people did was stuff like um, Warcraft or Starcraft or that kind of stuff. But I, I'm a bit fuzzy on the timelines between Xbox Live and the, uh, I guess they'd be MMOs or just regular RPGs, I guess, not MMOs. But Yeah. Um, well, and then on PC you also have stuff like M Player where just people playing like spades in chat rooms yeah. and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I just know that too. <laughs> yeah. It was the, uh, was it? MSN, MSN gaming. Oh, th- this is this is before MSN gaming. Oh, okay. It it was a, a whole thing called M Player that eventually got bought out by the GameSpy network, and then it went really downhill. And then after <laughs> that was MSN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I forgot about that. That was like elementary school that I was playing online. For those yeah, kind and of stuff. you just play like spades or hearts yeah. or backgammon and chat rooms, and it was it was cool. A- ASL. oh boy (laughs) Uh, yeah no it's it's definitely definitely changed a lot but i i I don't know coming back to i guess the 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 perspective and the benefits of it like do you do you guys think that like there's there's a whole thing and like being a parent like you hear a lot more about this now but i guess trying to limit or control screen time and there's there's this whole like negative connotation or association with being in front of a TV screen or a you know a console or whatever. And I I struggle with this idea that it's something that should be like not that it should be moderated like because I think everything needs to be like moderated or or looked at. But like I I see it as like there are benefits to it. So as long as you're seeing those benefits and then it's not becoming like a addiction, I guess, or where you're like sacrificing like health for the sake of like gaming and that kind of thing is, is that like, there's a big focus on like teaching coding in schools. And and Mm -hmm. I think, I think there's even benefits from like exposing kids to video games because like we were talking Mm -hmm. before, there's definitely like skills and, um, just different situations that you encounter with video games that you wouldn't otherwise encounter. So like, I th- I think I already know what the answer, but do you guys think that that's something that should be as encouraged at least as like exposure to coding, like exposure to video games or just like, not even like, you know, have everyone play Halo, but just the idea that you're playing this virtual world and you have to like solve these problems. Well, I, I think screen time has become like, too much of an umbrella term like a dirty word whereas like it's basically the equivalent of outdoors time like it's it's meaningless you don't know what you're doing there because with with screen time you could be on 4chan you could be building things in minecraft you could be coding something from scratch you could be drawing art you could be writing a story like it it all depends on what you're doing with that screen there's there's definitely helpful formative building blocks things you can do with those and there's time waste trolling things yeah. So it if 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 you're doing positive things with the screen, then go at it, have fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it comes back to like who's to say that holding a book and reading it is any better than reading something online? Like aside from mm-hmm. the, co- the actual content, like there is there's no difference between that action 
the far, as far as the benefit it gives you, like you're still reading, you're still absorbing information, you're doing whatever. It shouldn't make a difference whether it's on a screen or not. And and I think like like I've heard of some like five year olds that are well into playing video games and are good at it because they've been exposed to it and, and are up, you know, have developed those skills and that kind of stuff, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a good thing to encourage. As again, like as long as it's not like they're not doing, you know, five year olds a bit young for it, but you know, as long as they're like not doing their homework and playing video games instead, right? It's like, well, you still need to kind of have your priorities, but like I, I, I just don't see anything bad, inherently bad about video games or anything. It's like, oh well you only get, you know, this much time playing video games. As long as you're again like you're not sacrificing something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I guess like, you know, we've we've talked about being exposed to video games as kids and stuff. How has gaming changed from that point? Because, you know, we're talking about, you know, playing with our siblings or, you know, getting together with friends and playing. Has that changed for you guys as you got older? Like, you're both adults now. So, like, I, I presume priorities have changed since the times <laughs> that we were 12. I, I think I'd at least hope so. Um, have you been able to maintain, like, gaming as a priority and like how has that changed for you as far as the benefits that you get from it or the purposes that it serves um there's definitely games i want to be good at like i've i enjoy overwatch and i like team the team aspect of it and uh i basically grew up without internet because we were in the country with dial-up so being able to play with other people is a nice thing Hmm. and uh yeah just i guess the way technology comes out like it's been sort of morphing whatever platforms the newest is what gaming's moving to because it's a gr- still a growing industry i guess it's not as old as movies and music and it's been a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> so it's is mainly the online aspect that you've kind of transitioned to yeah like, and and that's probably a big part of that is just because the industry itself has transformed to that you'd only you almost can't game without there being some sort of online component yeah and i guess uh the competition between other people mm-hmm. like the games i play the most are overwatch and heroes of the storm which are both either cooperative well heroes of the storm i play a lot of bot games where you're playing against computers but i do play against people too and it's it gives me the thrill of competition while being safe at home. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know for me, honestly, it gaming hasn't changed much since I was sitting on a couch playing Link to the Past with my dad. <laughs> Just the last week I was sitting on the couch playing God of War with my wife. It's it, it's always kind of been uh, an experience that I love to share with someone and like either watch them game or or have them watch me game and 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 play like single player multiplayer whatever it's just the it's it's just having fun with people hmm. have you guys gotten into twitch and either partaking in or viewing streams definitely watch streams mainly overwatch league lately mm-hmm. but um i i've tried streaming a little bit i'm just kind of very socially awkward so I'm, I, I'm never sure how to uh, approach that whole thing. And Twitch is kind of a black box to me. <laughs> and it kind of requires the connection to be able to play a game while also streaming it. <laughs> yeah. And being entertaining on the fly and stressful stuff. Right. And and almost like, yeah, be, being overly dramatic and almost maybe not fake, but just playing up your reactions a little bit mm-hmm. so that people are entertained, which, yeah, if you're an entertainer, that's part of what you have to do is you have to kind of over exaggerate situations and you know swear and whatever like depending on what style or brand that you're trying to set for yourself I guess well yeah and 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 it's clearly not easy because like the one rule of being a twitch streamer is don't say the (laughs) n-word and look how that's turning out for everybody (laughs) well I think twitch even like they're they're pretty strict about banning like people that you know abuse policies like that like repeatedly i think like i like they they don't have a ton of tolerance for you know like hate speech and that kind of stuff i don't think Mm -hmm. like i think like i think you know when someone does misbehave as a twitch streamer like you hear about it because it is you know a big deal and i think they do take it seriously it's not like you know twitter where you can kind of say whatever you want and just they don't do anything about it no you get banned on twitter so uh (laughs) 
I, I, I think on the spectrum, it's definitely Twitter's on the low end of moderation <laughs> compared to literally every other part of the internet. And yeah, then, yeah there's more volume on Twitter, too. Mm. Yeah. And I think Twitter just isn't consistent with their, their policies. Like, they'll at times they'll take action against it, but when there's, like, a ton of people complaining about a person like if the i don't know if it's about if the person's high profile or whatever but it's like there's there's so many times it's like how has this person not been like permanently banned and but yeah and it's because that person's driving traffic to the site it's it's getting views it's getting ad revenue that twitter likes the controversial people (laughs) yeah possibly that's and and like i don't think they'd ever uh, they obviously wouldn't come out and say that but i think it goes without saying that that's definitely a motivation behind it as soon as they put Donald Trump on Twitter ads in Japan, it's like, yeah, they're they're feeding off of that whole situation. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen anything about that. They're they're showing Trump tweets in ads. Oh, like pictures of Trump. Like they're using Donald Trump to promote Twitter in in Japan. This oh, was, really? Okay. Um, a few months ago, I think maybe even during the election, but. Uh, yeah, it, it it was this whole thing. People were calling for Trump to be banned from Twitter because of all these, all all the crazy stuff he was saying. How like a lot of his tweets could be fomenting World War Three, hmm. but uh, yeah, like be, they're they're using his picture on billboards for Twitter for the platform. So there's no way they're banning him. That's they they crazy. like that controversy and, yeah. and the traffic too much. Yeah, well, it's a reality show at this point. Like, yeah. yeah, he's literally been on reality shows, so he's well accustomed to to playing that part for sure. True. This show is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The Alberta Podcast Network is putting on a live show on June 7th during the Inventures Conference in Calgary. The Inventures Conference is happening June 6th to 8th, 2018 in Calgary. The purpose of it is to bring venture capitalists, angel investors, startups, entrepreneurs, service providers, and thought leaders together in one unified conference to discover and share the latest in innovation, research, capital access, deal making, and experiential learning. Now, you might be thinking, Mike, why are you telling us about another conference? Didn't you just tell us about a conference happening? Yes, this is a second conference, but this one is in Calgary, so it's a little bit closer to myself. I wasn't able to make it to the Pod Summit conference that just happened in Edmonton, but I hear it was a very good time, so regretting a little bit not uh, being able to make it out to that, but I'll be definitely checking out the Inventors Conference here. The Alberta Podcast Network event is called Podcast Connect, a talk fest about the future. It's a live podcast event, and you'll get to see That's So Maven, The Work Not Work Show, A Branded World, and Future Chat. I hear they're a pretty good podcast. Uh, they'll be talking to fascinating people about all kinds of innovation. So definitely check that out. It's a free event, and our friends from ATB will also be on hand to answer questions about all of the transformative things they're up to. AI, blockchain, robotics, and much, much more. A lot of the different things that you'll see us talking about from their uh, ATB Alpha Beta program. Uh, they'll be there to, to chat about that kind of stuff and, and all the cool things that they're doing in Alberta and around the world. Uh, you can come for as many shows as you like. And it's, like I said before, it's free. So you can just register at podcastsconnect.eventbrite.ca. Uh, You can also learn more about this and uh, a lot of the other events that Alberta Podcast Network is partnering with or hosting at albertapodcastnetwork.com. June 7th is when this uh, Podcast Connect event is, and June 6th to 8th is the dates for the Adventures Conference itself. So definitely check that out and hope to see you there. You guys, you know, you mentioned the kind of where where gaming is going and you brought up the psvr do you see that as kind of the next step like we're already at the online mass multiplayer stage like is ar vr where the industry is going or is that going to kind of still have to be like a niche type segment to the the industry um, I, I don't know much about AR, but VR is definitely, it, it, it's an entire kind of experience off to itself. Like, it, it's a new piece of gaming. I don't think it's going to replace anything, and I don't think it's going to fall to the wayside. I think it's it's growing into its own niche, like mobile gaming. Yeah. So you've got, you've got PC, console, mobile, and VR. It's its own platform, and mm. it's... It's so cool because you're you're in the action. You're doing things like if you've ever played uh, or if, if, you, if you ever heard of Super Hot. No, I'm not familiar um, it, with that. So it, it's it's a first person shooter. It was originally non VR where basically time only moves when you do. Oh. So you can pull off some really cool like Matrix moves oh, and like okay. 
Yeah. And then playing that in, on, on a computer a couple of years ago was amazing. Playing it in VR was mind-blowing. <laughs> because you're, you're just... Like I said, you're pulling off all these Matrix moves. So you're like grabbing a shotgun off the table without looking and just like firing over your shoulder and throwing knives around <laughs> and punching people. And it's it's insane. It's so cool. And I, I, I cannot for a minute think that this is going away. Right. It, it, was it the kind, like, I've played a PSVR demo of a shooter. I don't know if it was like specifically made to be demoed or if it was an actual game developed by uh, a firm or whatever. But like you put on the glasses or the mm-hmm. goggles or whatever, and then you have your gun, but your like joystick is on the gun and you're moving around that way. And so like you're aiming with the gun and, you know, seeing it through the goggles, but you're not actually moving around yeah. and you're not like, you don't have gloves where they're controlling hands or that kind of stuff. It's just the gun is the only thing that you're transferring to the virtual world. Like everything else is just standard kind of gaming interaction, I guess. Now, this game you're talking about, uh, was that the kind where you had, like, gloves and you were able to move around and do that kind of thing? Or was it all controlled by either a controller or a joystick or that kind of thing? Well, so from from what I understand, there's not really glove VR out there at the moment. Um, it sounds like you might have been playing uh, Farpoint VR with, okay. with, with the gun controller. And um, unfortunately, with PSVR, it doesn't have a lot of... Uh, well, it's called room scale. PSVR is not room scale. It's got just the kind of cone of, of the camera that's looking at you. So like in Farpoint, in Superhot VR, you can kind of like walk around and shuffle around. You've got probably a good five, six foot square you can move around in. And then uh, when I'm talking about the Superhot VR, you've got a couple of move controllers. They kind of look like Wiimotes where they've got motion tracking and a few buttons on them to move your hands around and grab things. So it's not gloves, but it's still one-to-one hand movements. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then with like Oculus and, and Vive, that's when you can get the room scale VR where you have sensors around like a big empty room and you can walk around your environment and multi-finger tracking on the controller, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, now I'm remembering because I've listened to a couple podcasts where the, the guys have played the i think it was the oculus or it was one that they had like the nunchuck type things or the the Wii oh, yeah. type things and they were saying that it's it's the weirdest kind of like psychological thing but your body starts treating like the button to close your hand as closing your hand mm. yeah like, that just it, it may as well be you closing your hand but like your hand just presses a button and it closes the hand but when you're going around, like you said, you reach behind you to grab whatever, like your mind just says, okay, I'm going to press this button to grab it. And that's just you closing your hand. Like it's as natural as doing that. And mm-hmm. like hearing that, that sounded so cool, but I haven't had a chance to kind of have that experience. I don't know. It just, there's a couple, um, there's an escape room in Calgary that also has like a VR setup. Oh, so cool. I don't know if they have like the room scale VR to try or if it's just the controller based ones. But uh, I, I've I've wanted to try the room scale one just because it sounds really cool to be able to to have that kind mm-hmm. of experience. Well, and, and then you get almost the, the other side of VR gaming with something like uh, there's a game called uh, Moss which is it's for PSVR and it's um you don't use the 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 Wiimote style controllers you use just a normal DualShock 4 and you're controlling like it it's a it's a platformer so you're controlling a mouse uh to jumping around different platforms and doing fights and stuff but it's in VR because like you can actually move your head around the environment and get different angles on things and then you can move your controller around because it still has a light bar tracker on it and like grab enemies and then you press buttons on the controller to have the mouse come and like fight the enemy that you're holding in place. <laughs> and it, it's, it's, a, it's a platformer kind of like almost Mario style, but you, you're still in the game and you can still get like all kinds of different angles on things and like take closer looks and, and check out puzzles. And it's just so much more immersive. <laughs> it, it's a really interesting take on that kind of thing. I think that's definitely what I look for or what what I expect from a VR experience is to be immersive. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like I just, I don't feel that when I'm just sitting and experiencing like the movement of the world, but I'm not the one moving. And maybe that's too much to ask because like you literally need a room mapped one-to-one with the size of the world that you're in 
in order to yeah. get that full experience, right? And and I don't know if that would ever be possible, or or at least to have a um, almost like a treadmill type thing that you're standing on where you can like walk and it feels like you're walking, but you're just staying in one place. Those are and coming. Like, are they <laughs> omnidirectional yeah. treadmills? Yep. Okay, because I I think that would be really cool, and and that would give that ex- that simulated experience of moving around a world without needing the world to be that big, where you're basically running on the bottom of a mouse. Yeah, with, with yeah. the trackball. Right. The, like, the weird one is uh, you run inside like a dish, and w- when you're putting force in one direction, you'll be moving that way, but you're just walking on a slope that you keep sliding down, but it moves you forward. Oh, okay. And then Ready Player <laughs> One showed off what uh, omnidirectional treadmills will be like. And then there, there's another alternative with uh, L.A. Noir VR, where uh, you just kind of swing your arms. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you just stand in place and just kind of like <laughs> move your arms like you're jogging, and that that's a, a locomotion oh. option. <laughs> that's kind of cool. And I, I think that's still better than needing a joystick, at least, again, from a VR experience. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not from a competitive gaming or precision aspect but at least like i'd find that more fun i think mm-hmm. for sure um yeah no that's uh that that's pretty interesting i've i've been keeping an eye on the ar vr stuff like especially since google glass came out and or had come out and went yeah. away and it's now basically <laughs> still away uh to see if you know the at least the AR from a consumer everyday experience aspect and the VR, like with, I guess HoloLens is dancing that line between AR and VR. I don't know if you guys look too much into that, but um, yeah, it looks interesting, but uh, it's still more of a tech demo than yeah. anything else. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's kind of what we're like, where I'm at now is they've done these proof of concepts like Google glass for the everyday AR, you know, walk around the world with it to the HoloLens where it's like more, purpose built use it in certain situations for a little bit at a time you're not going to walk around the street wearing a hololens mm-hmm. um but i haven't seen them take off the way i expected them to i think especially google glass like they had the explorers walking around with them and you know getting reactions and you know testing out the different features and whatnot and i think just the price point is way too high to be yes. picked up immediately and just the the use cases I think right now are just too limited as far as like what you can already do with your phone. Like it doesn't give that much added benefit. Like I, there's times where I'm like literally walking through the world, especially like say while playing Pokemon, like that'd be perfect for like a Google glass type thing where you, mm-hmm. you like walking down the street and it's like, Oh, there's a Pokestop up over here. Let me go spin it. And you just go and like spin it mm-hmm. just yeah. when you go and walk up to it. Like, that'd be so cool. Or like you, you look over to where like there's a gym like a, like a Pokemon gym across the street from me, so I could like look out the window and see like what color the gym is. Like that'd be so cool. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think the the Google Glass was just too early in a market because as soon as you have to charge your beta users fifteen hundred dollars, <laughs> there's something wrong here. Yeah. No, exactly. But uh, but I think gaming has definitely found a use case for the VR aspect. It's just. And and I think there's enough competition out there now between Oculus and Sony and is there another one? Is it HTC. Okay, the other five. Yeah. Um, that they're at least you know kind of building up that market and bettering the industry and hopefully encouraging developers and stuff to make the games and stuff better. Hmm. Um. That that hopefully in you know a couple of years or at least even shorter than that then at least it'll be as ubiquitous as, you know, mobile or platform gaming, just regular platform gaming that. And I think maybe the price point is still a little bit high for, for the everyday person to pick it up. You know, at least when you look at the switch or an Xbox being like 400 bucks or whatever versus the VR, which I think it's not even including the computer is at that around that same point, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think you can get um, uh, a VR kit, like just the VR headset for like three or four hundred bucks. But then, yeah, you need the hardware. So you need like either a thousand dollar computer or a four hundred dollar PS4 to, to run the thing. 
But one thing that I, I really like that's kind of almost uh, tangent is um, the, the VR headset is your monitor. It is your TV. So if you think of it that way, it doesn't necessarily have to be in addition to it. Like I, I, I've, I've seen some stuff on uh, the, the PSVR subreddit of like long haul truck drivers that have uh, a PS4 and a PSVR set up in the back of their cab so they can just like watch TV, play video games just as a stationary monitor. But it's, it, to them, it's a big screen TV in the back of, uh, of a semi truck. Right. Yeah, because, yeah, that, that functions as their TV screen for whatever they're trying to do. Yeah, well, that, yeah that's exactly. a good point. Yeah. I don't feel, have you guys been to like theme parks and stuff like Disney or. Um, Nothing big. Or any of those kinds. Yeah. Callaway Park for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, years ago, yeah, Callaway Park. Yeah. Well, they, they have a couple rides that are simulators mm. that they're basically like the, the screen, it covers your entire field of view. So you're effectively like surrounded by the screen and then the simulation part is in the seat and it like tips forward and back or oh, yeah. in the case of some rides, like you're strapped in. So in order to simulate like acceleration, it will like spin you around so mm. that you feel mm-hmm. like the centripetal acceleration against you so that it feels like you're moving forward, but it's actually just spinning you. But like, it's amazing how you can trick your mind into thinking that something is happening like even something like tipping yourself backwards makes you feel that you're like falling like falling Mm -hmm. forwards right and that's that's how they get away with that kind of simulation so i feel like vr could kind of do something similar so again like even if you're not don't have the space to move around but if you get like a chair and i think even some racing games i've seen demoed with like special chairs that do that sort of simulation where like vibrate or kind of like tip you one way or the other and, oh, yeah. it, and it makes you feel that you're getting that sort of like acceleration or getting whipped around or whatever. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool and, and definitely an experience I'd recommend everyone to, to be able to try, even if it's, you know, you just go and do a simulator ride. Like it's, it's crazy. Like walking out of me, I can't believe I was in this little box and it made it feel that I was like doing whatever, whatever the simulation wanted me to think I was doing. Yeah, exactly. So you guys, I guess we haven't, talked about this yet but you guys do have your own podcast yeah yeah (laughs) so like rob's not here so uh so i thought this was a good chance to to bring you guys on and and talk a bit about gaming um rob's not as into gaming he's i mean he plays pokemon go obviously but uh i think i i have a bit more of that that exposure that experience with the gaming side but i wanted to to bring you guys on because i have listened to your show and it's it's very good if i do say so thank you thank you um so well, why don't you tell us a bit about what your show is and kind of what you guys are trying to do with that? Um, well, we just we mainly got our uh, weekly episodes where we just go over current events in like tech, comics, general geekery, and just keep people up to date on like security patches, um, cool stuff that's happening. Just anything that catches my eye on the internet throughout the week, we we talk about and try to keep everyone up to date on. The legal battle Soylent's been doing to get back to Canada. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so you guys, okay, so before we start, so your show is called Press Start to Join, Yeah, correct? Yes. Yes. And uh, it is a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, so you can find them on uh, com along with our show. Um now I did hear that you guys were into the whole Soylent thing. Do you guys drink Soylent or is it Soylent equivalent or had you been? Well, I drank Soylent back when it was available in Canada. Right. Uh, unfortunately, it got kicked out due to some labeling restrictions and that kind of thing. And they're still working on bringing it back. But as soon as it comes back, I'm 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 going back on it because it's it's so convenient to never make myself a lunch ever for work, and I just grab a bottle out of the fridge and go. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, you're you're the same way, Josh? Yeah, definitely. Like uh, one of my jobs is electrical maintenance, so I'm dirty. It's been a long day, and when it's lunch, I rather just open a bottle of two point and, and and just the fact that it's like two to three dollars for a nutritionally complete four hundred calorie meal. It, it you're not going to get that anywhere else, and it doesn't even taste that bad. It's like Cheerio milk. I, I really like the 2.0 flavor. I, yeah. I could never get entirely on board with 1.6. Yeah. yeah. 1.5 was okay. Like the flavor was like, I like the saltiness of 1.5, but oh, yeah. 1.6 made it way too sweet for me. And like just the texture wasn't good. 
for me at all. Well, they, they kind of dialed that back. They got up to 1.8 before they got kicked out of Canada. Okay, I don't think I ever... Mm, I think I did try one of 1.8. And yeah, it was better than 1.6 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still... Like 1.5 for me, the texture was was the best one for me. Like I didn't like this, the super smooth texture. Mm. Oh, um, gotcha. I actually like... It's called Whole Food. And oh, yeah. uh, it's a, a similar type concept, obviously, with the... Uh, like the full meal replacement aspect um, is more intended to be mixed with milk. So I, I don't know if that's because it doesn't have enough fat in it to okay. be nutritionally complete or whatnot. Um, but I mean, you can mix it with water if you want to as well. And it's it just powder. It's not the, the bottle aspect, but they are coming out with a bottled one. Apparently at least the guy on Reddit, like the owner or creator of it, he says they're coming out with a bottled variant. Cool. But, uh, but, oh, it's it's really good. And, like, the thing I didn't like was Soylent with the powder was, like, you couldn't really drink it fresh. Like, freshly made, you had to let it sit for a bit, at least for getting it to the point where I liked it, texture-wise. Yeah, let, let it chill. Yeah. Yeah, but this one, like, you can just mix it and, and drink it immediately, and it tastes good. And the texture, mm. like, it's grainy. Like, and again, that may be a turnoff for something, <laughs> but I like a bit more of, like, the gritty or grainy kind of texture. Um, and, yeah, it keeps me full and is, like, three... Mixed with milk is about 350 calories per per serving, which is perfect. So yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I basically just have it for like breakfast and lunch, and then I'll have I'll bring enough to work for like a snack, like a, kind of like a ten and two, like two two snacks to kind of fill out my my daytime meals, and then I'll just have like a regular dinner at home. Okay. Um, which I think I've found a lot of people do. They'll they'll use Soylent or whatever other meal replacement as like breakfast and or lunch, and then just have like a regular dinner because. Usually, like, if you're living with one other person, like, you're going to want to sit down for a meal together. And sometimes yeah. it, sometimes it doesn't go over well. Like, I'll just have my glass of Soylent while you have your <laughs> steak or whatever. Um, but I, I just, I like having, being able to have regular food too. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm exactly like you guys. I like the convenience of just being able to mix myself or grab a drink or whatever. I just don't like thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast or lunch. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know soylent or whatever is better than a bowl of cheerios just from yeah nutritional absolutely for sure so but no that's that's cool so coming back to your guys's show um i have seen that you guys do like history yeah. episodes as well how, how do those work and like how do you guys like like what's the format of those and how do you guys decide what to talk about on those uh with with those i've i have a master list of all the stuff i'm doing for the year actually and I uh, surprise Alan with it. So it starts off with a cold open, and it is a surprise to Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty much like what I've researched or basically found on Wikipedia about something I found interesting. And Alan's the analog for the audience, and then he also gets to add his input, which is great. And that's why mm-hmm. we're hosts together. Oh, cool. And, and then we, we gather all the topics just from fan recommendations. So a lot of them have come in from a buddy of ours, Justin. He's he's a listen, long-time listener. And then just people on, on Twitter or anything else, if they have a, a franchise or something that they just want to learn more about, they can just let us know and yeah. Josh will do the research. And that's a thing podcast wants me to do like Phoenix Wright, but I think I'll have to find a, a few topics to put together for that one. <laughs> that's not enough for its own episode. There's a lot of <laughs> Phoenix Wright games. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I noticed when I was listening to the history ones that I was like, it doesn't seem Alan is really talking much. He and does like, news every week. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. So I get my one <laughs> yeah. one a month. Yeah. No, it's like I and it's it's not a bad thing. Like it's it's just the format. Like it it wasn't something I was used to listening to. Like one person kind of presenting, the other reacting, and it it is it is cool to hear. Like usually the thoughts that you know, Alan's saying is are kind of like what's going through my head, like what I'm reacting to the same sort of things. And I okay. guess which is the whole point of perfect like that all that audience analog is like Yeah, that's right? what we're going for. Yeah. So no, that's that's really cool. And I don't know, I haven't seen too many like Alberta gaming podcasts. Like I think a lot of the people involved in gaming are more on the vlogging or Twitch yeah. streaming mm-hmm. side. Like I don't think there's a ton of people that are like gamers, but also podcasting. And like, I, I could be wrong. It's just, I'm a lot more attuned to how many Twitch streamers and, and uh, vloggers there are that, that also game. 
Mm-hmm. So you're telling us we have to start Twitch streaming our recordings. It's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> While you guys are playing a video game. Oh. Oh, see. no. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not a YouTube video of us talking with a montage of gaming that we didn't even do. <laughs> oh, those are the worst. I'm, I'm not I'm not familiar with those ones. Is, those are just people ripping off other people's gaming? Well, it, there's videos where this guy I'll be talking about some controversy with on with uh, like a pro gaming circuit, and it's just footage of him playing C- uh, Counter-Strike, and it has nothing to do with the audio. Oh, okay. They're just That's totally... It's just because you have something moving on the screen for YouTube. You have to? No, it's just better than a blank screen. <laughs> yeah, slightly more engaging, I guess. Yeah. Well, there, there's a couple podcasts that I listen to. They're actually CGP Grey podcasts. Okay. And, uh, I mean, like, he started out as a YouTuber, so he uses YouTube as a platform to upload his podcast episodes. And he'll just put, like, their show artwork as the video with the podcast playing in the background. I, I guess people use YouTube as their podcast audio player, maybe. I mm-hmm. don't know why you would, but... I, I, yeah. If it at least like pops up on the YouTube search, like we upload all our shows, both between desktop and future chat as YouTube videos. Okay. So if we did an episode on, well, like we don't title our episodes this way anymore, but we did like, you know, future tech chat number 20 um, VR, right? And then so when someone searches, you know, VR on YouTube, like that might pop up as, as a hit kind of thing, right? So you at least have a presence on, on YouTube that way, but um I mean, like it's it's convenient enough with uh, with the the hangout when it's automatically uploaded anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, your guys' show. I believe we were talking before we started recording. How often you guys release? Yeah, we've got the uh, the weekly, um, basically news episodes, and then uh, last Wednesday of the month is our history episodes. And I've been okay. test driving a movie review podcast with my sister on Wednesdays, in the middle Wednesday of the month. But uh, that is subject to change. We're only doing six episodes, and then it's going to be its own thing, or we had our fun and it's done. Cool. This is probably a good way to start any new thing, is you know commit to a couple, and then don't feel yeah. like you have to continue it if you, if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's actually... One podcast I'd started listening to, uh, it's the guy who makes uh, Number File and is on Hello Internet. Right okay. Here. And he started a podcast um, with a buddy of his, and it was the same kind of thing. Like, they recorded, I think, like, three or four, like, at, all in a row, and then released them once a month or whatever it was, just to see if people actually listened. And then if they did, then they start making them again. So it actually, it was, it was interesting that they pre-recorded them all. Like, they weren't topical shows. Like, they were just them talk about whatever so you could pre-record them and then hold on to them for a bit and then release them slowly so it is one of those i think it was more from a time investment aspect if it was worth this guy's time because he does a lot of stuff online and he's busy so if if something not that making money is the only thing but it's like if people didn't want to listen then he didn't feel that it was something worth putting a time into but like they've continued it so far so it must be must have been well received enough yeah, that, that's actually a, a point we just got back from Pod Summit yesterday, and that's uh, one piece that they recommended is if you're starting off a podcast, you record the first like five or eight episodes, and and make sure you have them all edited and in the bank, and then you release like the first three kind of all at once to make sure that people can get some momentum and, and kind of get a feel for your style, and then you have the the rest kind of scheduled while you can focus on social media. So that you don't have to um, worry about producing more podcast content while you're still trying to get it off the ground. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So you went to Pod Summit. Yep. Yeah. Oh, cool. How was that? It was a lot of fun. Very educational. Yeah. We are we are underusing social media by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I I guess we're probably exactly the same. <laughs> like we only ever really use Twitter as more of an RSS when new episodes are released. Um, like we, we don't like our audience. It does. They don't interact with us really. Like we've oh, had a that's handful frustrating. of times where they'll interact with us and like, it's, it's fine. Like if they don't want to, we're not going to force them to. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it just, it hasn't lended itself to being seen as necessary, but mm-hmm. it could be like a chicken and egg kite type thing where it's like, they don't engage because we don't engage. So mm. yeah. And, and that was actually one of the biggest slides from pod summit is just ask. 
Like if if you want to hear from people, ask. If you want reviews, ask. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, they, they people might just not think of doing it. It's as easy as if you're enjoying this episode and like what you're hearing, just go on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Give us give a rating. It helps with uh, analytics and everything. Well, yeah, it helps with visibility. Visibility. That's the word I wanted. Yeah, it's funny. We actually got a review in one of the first couple episodes that we did a future chat. This was like four years ago. And the guy's like, oh, you yeah, know, good concept, but they're kind of annoying. So I stopped listening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's oh. like, so on air, we're like, yeah, well, you suck. No, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> it, it was funny because like back then that was when we first started podcasting. So they actually were very bad episodes. Oh, um, we started but, really uh, bad too. Yeah. I think everyone, at least in their own eyes, they, they feel that they started objectively bad. bad. Uh, yeah. Not not to say that we're any better, but it's just <laughs> I'd like to think we're we're at least a little bit better. I, it, I have a better mic at least. Well, yeah, yeah, it was three people sitting in front of a uh, an iMac using the built-in microphone. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I I had one of those. It was like one of those, not even a gaming headset, but it was like it looked like what you'd wear at a call center. Oh <laughs> like, wow! Yeah, so like that they make jokes about me working at a call center whenever I was on camera it was pretty funny but it was really bad sound quality and they both had like the blue snowballs so Those comparatively my audio was very bad <laughs> so then i got what are you using now the samson meteor and but it i seems to be i played a bit of overwatch with my yeti and whenever i'd be like hello people are like whoa are you a twitch streamer because <laughs> the audio just comes through so much clearer yeah well that, that's why i had you bought that headset in the first place was for counter-strike because on these servers like they have the audio right so i like being able to to chat with people but i guess there's a bit of a difference in expected quality between online video game trash talk and podcasting yeah Yeah. a little bit (laughs) (laughs) so if you've been asked if you're a twitch streamer and i ask if you're twitch streaming i think that's suggesting something yeah we should get on twitch yeah (laughs) i think so keep your for twitch.tv slash ps2j that exists yeah, we, we we do actually have it. We just haven't oh. really done anything with well, it. Well, <laughs> the problem is our branding is very consistent except for Twitch. Uh, what do you mean? Everywhere else we got at PS2J show, but Twitch we managed to get PS2J. Mm. <laughs> so, so is PS2J show still available? Uh, Potentially. Honestly, we haven't even bothered checking. <laughs> just yeah, delete our account and move it over. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it doesn't have any activity, so it's, we're not going to lose anything. <laughs> I'll I'll be your first one dollar per month booster. Whoa! Woo. You have Amazon Prime. <laughs> get your free sub. Amazon Prime oh, members oh. get one free sub. Oh. Yeah. I use I, I use mine for a local uh, streamer. Hmm. So does this sub doesn't cost money though? Or it costs it your cost Amazon you? Prime membership. You get one free one for that. Does that get paid to the streamer or just yep. Twitch, though? The streamer. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So every sub costs money? I actually don't even know how it works. I just thought it was like Patreon. Yeah, you can follow them, but also subscribing gives you benefits. Mm. Yeah, you, you give them money and you get like emoticons and that kind of thing for the chat. Because I've seen some streamers, they'll like be doing whatever and then they'll say, oh, if I get this many donations, then I'll do whatever. Yeah. Like, Right then, is that another mechanic for donating as well? Just incremental donations as you want? Yeah, I think they moved to bits, which is like yeah. you buy their currency and then you can dole them out. Right. Yeah. So there's there's subscriptions, which is you give them X amount of dollars a month. There's um, the donations, which you can do straight up just cash donations, and there's also bits that you can. Bits are like a, a Twitch freemium currency that you can either earn through watching ads or give Twitch money. And then you can cheer people with bits mm. and uh, just throw them basically like fractions of a cent or, or pennies or what. I'm not sure how the bits <laughs> map, but it's I'm, just like, woo, you did really well. Here's 300 pennies. <laughs> I'm imagining like a dark, danky like pub or something where someone's like playing games and people are just like throwing pennies at them. That's that's Twitch. As far as I understand it, that's Twitch. <laughs> uh, so again, do you guys have a website where people can find you or Twitter or all that good stuff? Uh, PSJShow.com and at PSJShow on social media. Uh, yeah, I Instagram and PSJShow yeah. at Gmail as well. Mm. Okay. I like Instagram well, a lot. <laughs> what do you guys post on Instagram? Uh, well, right now, 
I'm going to, the one I forgot to post was, uh, I have a Mewtwo coffee cup and I took all the Mewtwo's on my desk and grabbed my Mewtwo amiibo and took a nice <laughs> Mewtwo and coffee picture. Oh, nice. <laughs> Great. What, what game do you use the Mewtwo amiibo on? Uh, it, Smash Bros. Oh, uh, cool. He's got an AI, but other than that, when Nintendo first announced they're going to be selling tiny uh, Nintendo statues for $15 a pop, I was like, I'm going to buy all of them. And so far, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. If if you go on the Instagram, you can see the display case. It is. It's impressive. There's two. <laughs> two display cases? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Smash Bros. takes up two shelves on its own because every character in Smash Bros. has at least one where uh, Bayonetta, uh, Li- uh, Cloud, and Corrin all have two. And mm. Rob has a recolor. So that, yeah, Rob has two as well. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> They're investments, though. No. <laughs> I'm not going to make mean... rent by selling a uh, Mega Yarn Yoshi amiibo. <laughs> are th- th- I'm sure there's some that are in, like, higher demand that you could actually make money on, maybe? I am an out-of-box collector, so it's pretty much devastated the resale value. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so now you can just donate them to like a future child or nephew or niece or something. They'd ha- they'd have to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> Once you hundred percent this game, I will give you the amiibo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, you caught Mewtwo with the Master Ball? Get out! <laughs> I is is that is that worse than using the Master Ball on Zapdos? Uh, I I know I did because I d- couldn't play without Zapdos. <laughs> I needed him. I d- I did because I was a dumb ten year old playing Pokemon Blue. At least it wasn't a Pidgey. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still get a hard time from uh, from Nick about that about using my Master Ball on Zapdos. Nah, that's cool. Like, well, no, see, so you just use the missing no trick, and then you have all the Master Balls you need. Mm-hmm. Well, I did that too, but I used my Master Ball before mm. doing uh... the missing no. But I did use it on rare candy, so all my Pokemon were level 100. So nice, that was fun. So their IVs I can... are shit. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even have IVs back then. No, it... they did. They were hidden. I think no. there was less IVs in red. I don't and blue. think they even did IVs in red and blue, or EVs. Yeah, effort EVs. value. They didn't yeah. have EVs either in red or blue. No, um, because that that's that's what you would rate. Because um, I I did the rare candy thing, but then you also have to use like the carbos and stuff to raise the stats. Oh. Maybe they, they they definitely did have uh, have the EVs and IVs. Hmm. At least one of them, I think both. Interesting. Yeah. No, I just I just wanted to use Blastoise against everything, so I just leveled up my Blastoise. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Back then, I didn't even know about like type advantage or anything. I'm like, okay. why are all my attacks not effective? It's not doing anything. I was <laughs> using like electric against ground or something like that. Oh no. Yeah. But I always picked Charmander, which was hard mode. You weren't strong yeah. against a gym until way later. No, you'd like kill all the bugs in that first little bit. Well, the first gym is Brock, which you're weak against. So yeah. medium difficulty is Squirtle and easy is Bulbasaur because the next gym is water. And then there's no type advantage for Squirtle, but there is for Bulbasaur. Right. <laughs> so fun, fun story. I was playing a uh, fire red years ago and started with a Charmander, and I just decided, you know what? I'm not leveling anything else. I'm just going to be 100% this this one Pokemon. And uh, so to beat the Water Gym, I just did a ton of grinding until I got a Charizard with Wing Attack so that I could do some damage <laughs> against Water Pokemon. So you got a Charizard before beating the second gym? I uh, Yeah, yes. That's crazy. <laughs> it's a long time. Long time. 